The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. What's going on, everybody? We are back with another week's episode of Offense, Defense, and Discourse. This is your boy, Mike Jones. John Brown with me as always. It's like now. This this is the weekend. All right. This is the weekend where you see the Super Bowl in the horizon. You know the Super Bowl is coming. Uh, yeah, man. Not yet. No, no, not, no, no. I get, yet. I get Super Bowl fever right before conference championship time. Like, okay, when I, this I, when this weekend is over. Not yet for me. Not yet. Not till I can see the matchups. Oh no, nah, no. Nah, because nah. you know, if we get to well, this year is not likely to happen because of the teams that are remaining. But say a couple years ago, we get the championship weekend, and you get Jaguars versus Vikings. That would have killed. That would have killed my buzz. Yeah. But you got Eagles versus Patriots, and that was a much better game. Okay. So for me, you get to third, fourth quarter when you, of the championship weekend games when you can really start to picture those matchups. Mm-hmm. That's when the Super Bowl is really like here. Yeah. Now you know, a couple years ago when our team, the Eagles, were on their run, and they had been looking the way they looked the whole year. That was different. You know, you had Super Bowl fever. Yeah. You you never won one. Yeah. But generally speaking, my true Super Bowl interest peaks like second half of that second championship game. Yeah. Well, here, here's this is what I'm going to do. Well, let me tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to let you kill my buzz because I'm, oh, I'm in it. I'm, I don't want to kill your buzz. Feel free. All right. I'm I'm hyped. I'm just not there yet. Okay. It, all it, right. it's, I'm still in the slow build. We're, we're in the buildup. All right. All right. Cool. But. We are in the buildup. Yes. And while I'm not Super Bowl mode yet, mm-hmm. I'm excited for this weekend's game. Okay. You're going to have some good ones this yes, weekend. Yes, yes, yes. In the football. In the I NFC, need good football. Yes. you've got Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, who's been, for some reason, unable to make a deep postseason run in recent years, mm-hmm. has a defense with him. He has a number one receiver this year. He's and new coach, and they're looking like a good team. Yes. they're, re- And then they've got the upstart, if you will, San Francisco 49ers. Mm-hmm. That defense is vicious. Oh, yes. The quarterback, every week there are questions because of the lack of playoff experience. Was it just the coach in New England that made mm-hmm. him look good? Kid keeps answering the bell. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a good one in the NFC. Yes. But the AFC – that's the game I'm really excited yeah. about. Mm-hmm. You got a coach we're really familiar with in Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. He seems to have found his dream quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, who has the mobility, the ability to read defenses, the things we've seen Andy Reid always coach quarterbacks up to do. Mm-hmm. But he also has unique, special physical gifts that put him in a class of quarterbacks I don't know that we've seen May, mm-hmm. Maybe you could say Aaron Rodgers in his prime when he was still a little more mobile could play on this level. I don't know many others that you've seen that are play, capable of playing at a level that Mahomes is playing at. Mm-hmm. And they're going against the Tennessee Titans, who they're a fun story in themselves. Yeah, I, I've now I, I'm I'm official. Uh, look. 
there will be no third strike. <laughs> All right? I have doubted the Tennessee Titans now for two straight weeks. Came out, didn't think they would beat New England. Certainly didn't think they would beat Baltimore. Well, well, well hopefully we'll be able to help you with that doubt. Okay, this all right. Week. Well, no, no. I, what I'm saying is I've, I've run out of doubt. No, nah, I'm hoping we can help you with your doubt. I'm looking at you. Uh-huh. You, you still got doubt. But that's okay. Cause we're, that's, that's just the way I look. Because we're, we're, we're going to try to fix that. Okay. Because we're going to get into some things. I'm going to tell you why I say we. Okay. First of all, there's some things you know how I feel about playoff football. Yes. And second, we have a guest with us this week. Okay. He's been waiting patiently. Waiting patiently. You know, because show started five minutes ago. He's still on hold. Oh, man. And I'm excited to get him here. Thanks for mm-hmm. waiting. Let's, with, without any further ado, yes, sir. we have Teron Davenport with yes. us today. Th- uh, Teron, thanks get, for joining us. Get it right. Us. Teron Davenport from ESPN is on the show. <laughs> get that man's credentials right. From ESPN, Teron Davenport is on the show. Teron, thank you for joining us. What's going on, man? That might have been the longest time I've ever spent in the on deck circle. So <laughs> let's let's get it going. Uh, let's go. It's, it's Mike's fault. I want to throw Mike under the bus. All right, so let's get straight to it. We got the Tennessee Titans and the Kansas City Chiefs this week. Now, for me, I'm looking at Tennessee. Of course, everybody has the questions about their quarterback. Is this real? Can we trust this after the experience we saw with him in Miami? And we're going to come back to him. First, I want to talk to you about what we're seeing from Derrick Henry. Now, I have always been a fan of power running backs in the playoffs. JB knows this. I beat this point to death all the time. If you go back just through recent Super Super Bowl winners, you had a stretch where LeGarrette Blunt won three out of four Super Bowls. Marshawn Lynch was in there. You had the Ravens in there. You, You had teams that played physical style of game with the power run heavily featured in there were able to do well in the postseason now Teron let's start start by asking you this do you think Derrick Henry will be able to keep up this type of pace coming up against the Chiefs well to be honest with you why wouldn't he the Chiefs were were hard against the run Chris, T, Chris Jones, right, he, he has a calf injury. He didn't practice yesterday. We'll see what happens today. He didn't play last week. Why not? And it goes beyond just Derrick Henry. That's the thing that we have to look at. Obviously, Derrick Henry is getting all the credit, and, and he's running the way he's running. But look, man, the guys up front, you have to give love to the big dogs, and they have come together. Taylor Lewan had the four-game suspension, and I asked Mike Vrabel about that, and he said he would be naive to think, that Lawan was going to jump right back in and, and just hit the ground running. It wasn't going to happen. Offensive line, that's a unit unlike any other within, uh, in my opinion, within sports. Right? There are very few times where five guys literally have to be in sync and unison, and you could actually take it to six, right, because you need the running back to be in unison with them, especially in a zone scheme. So, yeah, they could keep this thing going because they've gone together, and, and if you watch closely especially all 22 if you watch the end zone the tight end zone view you will literally see them escorting people like you see them moving people resetting the line of scrimmage Taylor Lewan told me that they're glorified bodyguards Roger Saffold told me that they're bouncers no white tees in the club no Timberlands no white v-necks none of that that's what they're doing and that's what you see up front so yes they could definitely continue that okay so with that 
What do you think the Chiefs would have to do to slow that running game down? The Chiefs have not been known for their defensive prowess under Andy Reid. In the last few weeks, they have looked a little bit better, but no one thinks that this defensive unit is the 86 Bears or anything close. So schematically or just personnel-wise, what do you think the Chiefs would have to do to try to slow this game down? Well, really what it boils down to is they have to swarm to the football. So when you look at Spagnolo and, and what they've done recently, they've actually done really well defensively, but guess what? Again, Chris Jones was in the middle of that. So not having him is, is going to definitely make things tough for them. But then also you got Juan Thornhill, right? A lot of times, if you look, like if you look at the last game, Week 10, when they played the, the Titans, they had Tyron Matthew and at times Daniel Sorensen in, in, in the box. And they just let uh, Juan Thornhill play, play free, right? Play center field, be the post safety. Well, you can't do that as much now because you don't have a guy that you could trust to be in that post and be that last line of defense. So that's going to be tough. You, you want to stack an eight in the box? That's fine. Derrick Henry, after – all right, look, I'm going to give you a stat here. Derrick Henry, after contact, has 239 yards. I'm not talking about total yards from scrimmage. I'm just talking about total yards after he comes in contact with a defender. No other player has more yards from scrimmage than Derrick Henry. His yards after contact. So if you look, he has so, 239 so clear, yards after two, contact. That 239 after contact is just in the first two rounds of the postseason. Right. And, and we're, we're, yeah, and that's what we're talking about, this postseason. DK Metcalf has 219 yards from scrimmage. That's the next closest to Derrick Henry. If you look at yards after contact, his yards are more than that. So what does that tell you? When you stack the box against this guy, or when you hit this guy, he is able to run through it and keep going. Watch the 66-yard run that he had against the Ravens. After the game, he told me he was pissed off that he got hawked by Marcus Peters, but still, he trucked somebody, he bounced that thing outside, and it was, it was off to the races. And that's the thing, you know, Derrick Henry is a special back, so when you stack the box, he has the size to power through those tackles at the line of scrimmage, but then he has the speed to run away from. And then, again, the offensive line, them resetting the line of scrimmage. So I say all of that to say there really isn't any way that you stop Derrick Henry except for swarming to the football. And the first guy that gets there, you have to, at the very least, get in the way, right? You have to get in the way and, and allow the other guys to come and tackle. So, essentially, you – and okay, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but based on what I'm hearing you say – it sounds like you think there will be opportunity for Tannehill's to make plays in the passing game this week. Undoubtedly. Okay, so let's talk about Tannehill now. First, I'm going to ask a question I've been asking people pretty much since the third or fourth week he's been starting with the Titans. What the heck happened in Miami versus in Tennessee that he looks like a completely different player? What is it with Tannehill – that makes this Tennessee situation work for him? Well, the best way I describe this is, is uh, let me ask you a question. I'll return it. Do you like boxing? I do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Joshua Ruiz, right, that, that first fight, right? You, you remember what happened. Ruiz got knocked to the canvas, right? Yeah. And he had a choice. He could either get up and get knocked back down again, or he could get up and knock the soul out of Joshua like he did. You know what he chose to do. He knocked the soul out of Joshua. It was about to bounce back after taking that fall. That's the thing with, with Ryan Tannehill. 
he took that fall. That hurt him personally. I know from talking to him, that hurt him having a team pay $5 million to tell him to get up out of there, right, and lose his starting job, right? And and the franchise gave up on him. That hurt him. He got something that he coveted, the starting position taken away from him. So when he got the opportunity to play again, he played the position differently. You're seeing this guy play with more confidence, more uh, uh you know, for lack of better word, more nuts. You know what I'm saying? Like he's making tight window throws. He's running the football more. He, he's, you know, taking shots. He's doing the things that you want a quarterback to do. And especially when you look at the red zone, you know, he's become ultra efficient in the red zone. Whereas, I mean, we're talking about a guy who has a 70% completion percentage in the red zone. We're talking about a guy who, because of his quick decision-making and ability to fit the ball in tight windows, he has taken the, the Titans offense from 19 in the NFL to number one in the NFL in red zone scoring percentage. They have scored on all five of their five opportunities in the red zone. So it's really just a, a different mindset that he's taken. And it's just like, you know, one of those situations where you have something fr- taken from you, when you get it again, you cherish it, and, and you know for sure that you're going to do everything you can to claw and, and hold on to it, and it's not going to be taken from you. Can you speak to the job that the coach has done? I mean, I want to talk about Mike Vrabel as a head coach. Because they had a quarterback, quarterback that they drafted to, uh, number two overall, and this is this year they benched him and went for Ryan Tannehill, a guy who was jettisoned out of another town. But they rally, they rally around him, and now they have a chance to the for a Super Bowl. They have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. How much of that do you put on the coaching and the leadership of Mike Vrabel? It's it's. You know, I would say a good 80% of it is on him. He has those guys in that building believing. And they rally, you know, it's just like the old Bills, right? You circle the wagons, and it's us against the world. That's really the mindset that they have. And when you look at the things that they went through, okay, the losing streak last year and then this year, right, there were never any fingers being pointed. Never. They lost 17 nothing to the Broncos. 17 nothing. You mean to tell me you cannot put up 18 or more points with all the weapons there. But you know what? The defense never turned around and pointed the finger. There were other games where, you know, they scored 30 points and they lost. They never pointed the finger at, at the defense. So that's really a, a testament to Coach Vrabel and what he's able to do. And this team has actually taken on his personality of when he played for the Patriots and Chiefs, right? A gritty, technically sound, physical football player. Didn't have all the best attributes, but still got the most out of what he had. And that's what you see this Titans team doing. Because, I mean, let's face it, the roster top to bottom is pretty talented, but you don't have a lot of top-end players, right? They have have two pro bowlers, two all pros. That's it, you know? And they went in and beat a team that had, what, 10? So in the Ravens, so I think it really does come down to coaching. It comes down to the belief that he's instilled in those guys. And then when you look at a practice, like if you watch a full Titans practice, you will see Mike Vrabel go to each and every position, roll his sleeves up literally, and get in the drills and work with them. Derrick Henry with the stiff arm, I have video on Twitter of him you know, working on Derrick Henry's stiff arm and securing the football, right? You know, at the top of the routes, A.J. Brown – getting uh, explosiveness out of his breaks. Mike Vrabel works with him on that. The linebackers locking out and turning and steering the offensive linemen, uh, you, you know, the way that you want him to go. He's working with them on that. You will see him literally go from position to position and spend time with every group and drop valuable gems on them. 
that's that's coaching, right? That is a coach. And then when you look at the other guys on the staff, they do the same thing. There's an energy, there's an involvement that he has and that staff has, and it's awesome to watch. That's how you know a coach is doing a good job, right? He even got the beat writers believing. The reporters are even talking with a passion. We we talked to Teron this week, talked to uh, Mike Patton last week. And they're believing. People are believing. Can you speak to the fan base? Are they feeling like this is like a team of destiny or this like this is a team that just belongs here? Like, are they surprised? Yeah. I mean, the the fans are surprised. And to be clear, you know, my passion is for football. Right? You know, so I love I love just seeing the, the everything happen the way it's supposed to be. That's why I talk passionately about it. You no, know, I get you. Uh, it's obviously great that the Titans are winning because that gets me more exposure. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'll take that. But. You know, as far as the fans are concerned, I mean, yeah, they're surprised. But I tell you one thing, you walk downtown Nashville, all you see is is that two-tone blue, right? Mm-hmm. You see nothing but Titans gear up, and, and, and that's good stuff. But, you know, it's just unfortunate that that wasn't there at the beginning of the season. But you know what? Now they have something to ride for, and they're going to ride for their team, man. That's There's no doubt about it. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Take it back to on the field a little bit. And we talked a lot about Tennessee's offense, but let's flip to the other side of the field. The Chiefs are well known to have one of the more high-powered, explosive offenses that we may have ever seen. Not necessarily the most prolific, but with the assortment of weapons and the quarterback ability, they're as dangerous as anybody we've seen. Now, I feel like Tennessee's defense has been playing well as of late. But how do you address the plethora of weapons and versatility that Kansas City Kansas City will present you to your Tennessee Titans defense? Pressure the quarterback. You have to win up front. Just like the offensive line has to dominate the trenches and reset the line of scrimmage, that's what the defensive line has to do. Jarrell Casey, he's huge in this game for them. They didn't have him in the last game against the Chiefs when they beat them. So having him is going to be huge. You know, I give you a sleeper, Derek Roberson, number 50, undrafted free agent. He's another, a big, a big part of this, this pass rush. Kamale Correa, big part of the pass rush. Logan Ryan, you got to design different blitzes and stuff to make Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable and not allow him to, you know, go back there and, and just make plays like he can. Right. And, and when you flush him out of the pocket, you have to make sure you close and really impact his throws. That's really the bottom line. You know, Kelsey, that guy, man, you know, you guys are in Philly, so naturally, you know, you're going to mention Zach Ertz as one of the best tight ends, especially from a route-running perspective. But when it comes to, to putting sauce on your routes, man, a few tight ends do it like Kelsey. So Absolutely. he's someone you have to be concerned with. You know, you, you go in man defense, he could kill that. You, you go zone, he has a way of settling in the zone and catching the ball, getting yards after the catch. And you got the road runner and Tyreek Hill. There's a lot of stuff. So you got to play top down defense, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you have to get deep into the deep. You can't allow Miko Hardman, Tyreek Hill. They cannot gas you like that. But at the same time, you have to be able to to play underneath too. And uh, you know, like the Ravens last week, this Chiefs team, th- their offense will make you defend every blade of grass. You know, because we didn't even mention Sammy Watkins, right? We didn't mention Demarcus Robinson. Mm-hmm. They have weapons all over the place. So. It's all about getting pressure on the quarterback. You have to find ways to keep him from being able to make those throws that, that he's able to make, you know, uh, that no one else can. This is the best quarterback in football. It's not a conversation to be had. 
And I, I think, you know, when you're going against Mahomes, you have to expect that and know that you are you could very easily get into a shootout. All right. Oh, appreciate that. Good stuff. All right. So before we let you get out of here, of course, we have to ask, what do you see as the outcome of the game? Who are you picking and what kind of score you th- you foresee? Yeah, I'm, I'm going Titans 28-24. And the way I feel is this. They're going to come out early and, and, and look to, you know, get a home run in the passing game while the Chiefs are focusing on the run, right? Mm-hmm. And that's how they're going to look to get that lead. They want to keep it close, just close to halftime, right? If they come out of the half, and typically what they do is win the toss with tails, and they have they, they elect to defer, so they get the ball coming out of the half. If that game is close coming out of the half, and they get the ball, they will attempt to run. I mean, listen, I'm talking about go shoe to shoe and, and, and really just run the ball down their throat. That's what they like to do and, and take that lead. And, and if they get a second-half lead, they're going to sit on that thing. And, and Derrick Henry, he, he could run the ball 40 times in that second half if they had the lead. And, and that's how I see it playing out. 28-24, to 24, I think the Titans win and move on to the Super Bowl. Okay, and I actually agree with a lot of what you said. Slightly different score. I have Tennessee 31 and the Chiefs 27. So same four-point differential, just an extra field goal each way. And, JB, what you got? Got Chiefs 100. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) Now, I I got Tennessee 27. uh, Tennessee 27, Chiefs 20. 27-20, 27-20, lead by, win by a touchdown. So we're all on Tennessee here. I think Tennessee's ability to control the clock, control the game, keep Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines some by converting first downs and playing that t- style of game will ultimately be the advantage over the Chiefs. But it'll be fun to watch. Teron, thank you for joining us. We're glad to have you. We hope to be able to do this again soon, talking about the Titans win. Yeah, for sure. You guys uh, enjoy the games this week. I appreciate you having me on. Toronto's a good dude. Real, real quick, Toronto talked about his, his passion for fo- football. I've seen this. Mm-hmm. Like we've now we've known Toronto for a couple of years because before he started covering the Titans, he was covering the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. Toronto was a regular guest on a show we used to do at Comcast Sportsnet called uh, Breakfast on Broad. We had Toronto in one day as as a guest. He was in. He was in and uh, his uh, he was on the show with uh, with Seth Joyner. Mm-hmm. And how I know Teron was like, as passionate about football was their segment was probably in the first hour, maybe even the first half hour. They were done. Usually after a TV show, when you're done your segment, you go home. You're gone. That's yeah, it. You, Teron and Seth, I watched the two of them. Just have a just two guys having a conversation about football that lasted almost an hour and a half. <laughs> show started at show used to start at I think seven a.m. This is like eight thirty. They're still in the studio, just on the other end of the studio, just talking, having a conversation. You know, and it was like, but it was a pass. You, you were watching. It was one of them times where you like you see. You see two people having a conversation. You don't know what they're talking about, but you know, you know, you know they're getting into it, and not necessarily not arguing, but just getting into it. It was just a passionate conversation between two guys who love football. So it's always a good thing to have Teron on the show, man. That's that's a, that's he's a good dude. 
but we still got a lot more to talk about. So let's take a real quick break and we'll come back with more on offense, defense, and discourse. He's Jonesy. I'm Brown. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmode Squad. Ate off like the assassin, now I'm blasting, I'm taking over. Stick you for your blue range rover. I told you, Rampage, your real life soldier. Been in the game since the age of 13. James Lewis. Dwelling south of the Hudson, New Jerusalem in seclusion. Uh, Using fake suit and yeah. I'm true. Bad, my travels like a schizo with two tabs with do-rags hanging from my pocket. Huh. What, boy? You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Most of my family, they never graduated high school, so I'm trying to break that barrier. My daughter, Brooklyn, was also a motivation for me to go back to school. Every day after work, went straight to school, and it paid off. At age 26, Kareem finished his high school diploma. I could not have done it alone. I see the future is really bright for me. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are strictly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. All right, y'all, we are back. A lot of fun in the first segment. Thanks again to Teron Davenport from ESPN for hopping on with us for a little bit to talk playoff football. Always a good time when he joins us. But now we got to flip over to the other conference in the NFC. You have the 49ers of San Francisco taking on the Packers of Green Bay, Wisconsin. See, you say it like that, and like you instantly start thinking coming to America. <laughs> and in the end, the 49ers triumphed when they kicked an <laughs> oblong object through <laughs> No, I was actually watching that movie not long ago, which is where that came from. (laughs) But absolutely classic movie. But yeah, 49ers and Green Bay. You got the seasoned vet who many people think is one of, if not the greatest thrower of the football we've ever seen Mm -hmm. versus the young upstart who seems to do nothing but win. You got the defense. Versus the team whose offense seems to be taking strides forward consistently. And I want to know, JB, let's get straight to it. What do you see happening in this game? All right, look, normally I am a guy, I am a student of history. And oftentimes I've come on this show and talked to you and talked about history, 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 history. And history would say, player like Aaron Rodgers would be able to will his team to victory. He would be the guy to triumph. But right now, I'm, if we've learned anything through these playoffs, these NFL playoffs, I mean, look what we've seen. We watched the vanquishing of Tom Brady. Same team goes in and completely throttles the number one seed in the AFC. 
We watched the Titans, uh, excuse me, we watched the team, not the Titans, we watched the Texans jump out to a 24-0 lead. Only to be outscored 51-7. If there was a time to go away from history, if there was a time to say, you know what, hey, let's look at this differently, I think this would be the year. I honestly, I'm looking at this and I see that uh, San Francisco defense. You know, that the addition of Richard Sherman is starting to pay off. You see the defense kind of taking, kind of taking that personality that you saw from those old Seattle defenses, the old Legion, uh, Legion of Boom. Plus they got, Bosa on the ed- on the on the edge, who's just been an absolute monster. I think they're going to provide, they're going to present a host of problems that Aaron Rodgers and his Green Bay offense just will not have a solution to. I see San Francisco pulling this out. I see San Francisco moving on to the championship. So you see San Francisco moving on. And I'm looking at this game, and I, I I understand your pick. Let me say that first and foremost. I absolutely understand your pick. I am a believer in defenses winning cha- championships. I am a dele- believer in physical running games. I am a believer in Jimmy Garoppolo. I actually picked the 49ers to win the division this year. I picked them to actually to win the division last year when they got off to the three and one start before Garoppolo's season ending season ending injury. So with all those things being said, I it would seem that I should be picking the 49ers. However, you've got the veteran QB. He's there's not a lot you can throw at Aaron Rodgers defensively that he won't be prepared for he's not going to see some blitz and all of a sudden panic. Like, I don't know what to do. I've never seen this before. He's You're not going to throw some unique defensive front at Aaron Rodgers and think, and he stops to think, oh, what do I do now? Aaron Rodgers is not going to fold under the pressure of San Francisco's defense. What you do have to wonder, however, is if S- – San Francisco's defense will be able to dominate manhandle Green Bay's offensive line. If Green Bay's offensive line is actually able to hold up even reasonably well against San Francisco's defense, with Rodgers' experience, his ability from the neck up, as I mentioned, you're not going to show him defenses that cause him to panic or he's confused. He's one of those guys. He's in that elite group with Brady and Breeze, and then you throw in a Rodgers. And Russell Wilson, at this point in his career, appears to be entering into that group. And I'm not talking about guys who can just get it done and win games. I'm talking about guys who, from the neck up, mm-hmm. prior to the snap, have a complete mastery of the offense and know exactly what your defense is going to be do- going to do to them. 
at which point it's just simply a matter of do we execute? Does my O-line hold up and are my receivers where they need to be? Mm-hmm. So I do think that San Francisco's defense will make it very uncomfortable for Rodgers. I do not think that because Rodgers is uncomfortable means that he won't be able to excel. Mm. He is a guy, he, he's one of those guys who can get it done in in uncomfortable situations, you know. He he's that heavy winter coat that keeps you warm in inclement climate, you know. He's one of those guys. So This is a tough game for me to pick because there are things I like a lot about both teams and how they're built. But being consistent with who I am, the edge go- for me goes to San Francisco because of their running game. Now, I know Aaron Jones is a good running back up there in Green Bay, yeah. but the 49ers come at you with a multiple run attack. They've got three guys and a fullback. That, and I know the fullback is. As I say the word fullback, I'm gonna take a quick, quick diversion. Well, you, to, you've never taken a quick diversion. No, this one will be. Ahead. This one will be quick because a lot of people watching football over the last. 10, 15 years or so, if you if that's your introduction to football in the last 10 years, you might not actually even understand what a fullback is. Nobody uses the fullback position anymore. The San Francisco 49ers use it and use it well. And you com- combine their li- the physicality of that team, the line play, the fact that they use a fullback <sighs> – that to me gives Green Bay a slight disadvantage when they're playing San Francisco. So I would have to pick San Francisco 27, Green Bay 21. So, yeah, I know you're over there writing down JB, mm-hmm. hoping to say I'm wrong. So right now no, no. I got Tennessee and I got – I've got San Francisco. Those are my two picks. I, I, all right, you got ten, you have Tennessee and San Francisco in the Super Bowl. All right, I was actually going to go San Francisco as well, but I was going to go. I was actually going to go. I was marveling because we pretty much had the same pick, like the same score. I just when I was putting this in, together in my head, I had said Tennessee twenty. Excuse me, San Francisco twenty-seven, Green Bay twenty. So that's so that look was. Wow. Okay, we we almost completely on the same page, and that almost never happens ever on this show. Oh, uh, that never happens at all. I'm actually a little nervous now. Mm-hmm. I'm think, considering recha- reconsidering my picks. So you would switch to Green Bay just because your score is, is close to my score? I'm thinking about. See, people think like you know. We have this like lovable discourse, like brothers, and it's like no, no, we truly like dislike each other. I'm, I'm just looking <laughs> at him with like with just pure disdain in my you know in my eyes right now. Like you would change that's that's what you would do. And you know I'm like that's cool because I'm gonna be right anyway. So uh, never, never. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Hey, look, uh, you want to take a quick break? What what you want to do? Let's take a break. We'll come back. 
get get into it some more. Okay. All right. We'll be right. We will be right back. Right here on offense, defense, and discourse. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash BITW Sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. James Lewis. There's so many people walking around with the Best Buy polo. Then you have the Sprint people. Then you have the Geek Squad people. Then you have like Geek Squad. the Cox, like the Geek the Cox Squad. Cable me. people. Right. So there are 38 people walking around at Best Buy doing absolutely nothing. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. Can we say No, we can't. Why? We can't say that. We, okay. we, we cannot say that. Okay. Uh, we shouldn't say that. Okay. I'm, I'm not saying that. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. I'm a retired school psychologist, and helping people was my thing. After my stroke, when Meals on Wheels started, I was on the other end of the stick, so to speak. My name is Julius Gaines, creative writer, poet, photographer. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. All right, everybody, we are back having a good time today, talking a lot of football. We've been talking about the pros, the big boys. And we don't want to ignore the fact that the college championship, the NCAA FC, excuse me, FBS championship was held earlier this week. And the LSU Tigers beat mm-hmm. the Clemson Tigers yes. in what was a very, very interesting game. It was actually an exciting game. Okay, Clemson comes out up early. Looking focused and ready to play. Their mm-hmm. defense was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then LSU settled down a little bit. And next thing you know, it's 40-something to 20. Like it, it was a good game. But the way it looked in the first quarter would not have led you to believe that the final score would be what it was. Mm-hmm. That being said, it's not necessarily the game itself that I really want to talk about right now. Okay. There well, were it's been it's been almost a week now. Everybody's talked about the game. Yeah, but yeah. it could have been the day after I wouldn't necessarily want to talk so much about the game as much as a couple things that happened after the game. Okay. First, let's talk about something that because there were a lot of things you saw on TV, on social media, after the game, which you expect. You know, it's a celebration. These kids, many of them with potential to be NFL picks, NFL players next year, are, you know, the, this is their chance to really celebrate, to let loose a little bit. So, you know, you expect a, at least a level of shenanigans to, to be included with this. So, something you saw that you mentioned to me 
you weren't necessarily fond of the optics. Yeah. I did, well, t- to set up where I was going, where I'm going with this, I want to I want to point out terminology that you just used. How you describe the players in this game. Mm-hmm. You called them kids. Now, I understand that for the most part all of them are over 18. I, I know, you know. Just, just a quick time out. Mm-hmm. You realize we will also refer to 28 yeah. to 30 year olds yeah. in playing pro sports yeah. as kids yeah. simply because yeah. of our own demographics. Un, un, completely understood. Okay. I, I say that in full. Like, these, these are adults. We, we know they're adults, and I'm not trying, you know. But I think a lot of times we view, especially people our age, because we're in our 40s, but we view college students. As kids, call them kids, refer to them as kids, even though they're tech, they're adults. But I saw after the game, I'm sitting there and I'm I'm looking. I see Joe Burrow and sitting back smoking a cigar, and I and I'm not quite sure if I can complain about it, you know, because he is a grown man. That's his choice. I just didn't like it. Honestly, I just didn't like it. I didn't care for it, and that's not and and that's not to say that I, I guess I don't want this to be an attack on Joe Burrow because I honestly don't know enough about him to attack him. Other than the fact that I'm sitting there, okay, after the college national championship, dudes down there smoking a cigar. I just didn't like it. Let me ask. Uh, so I have a couple questions. Okay. A yes or no question. Okay. Are you Morally or otherwise opposed to cigars or smoking? No. Okay. Uh, at what point have you ever smoked a cigar? Plenty. Might smoke one after this show. Have you? So you're a fan of cigars? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So it's not the cigar itself nah, that it's, it's, I, 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 I honestly. I'm, okay. I'm just trying to get a feel for it. I just think it was, it was just the optics that so, I didn't care for. All right. So as a fan of cigars. What age group were you in when you had your first one? I was probably younger than Joe Burrow. But I, but but did I'm, you feel like do you now, not did you then, do you now feel like there was anything wrong with you smoking a cigar at 18, 19, 20, 21? Wait, ask the question again. I said not then, but mm. now where yes. you are. Yes. You feel like there was something wrong with yeah. you smoking I, a cigar I need, sm- I, I need to be smoking those cigars. No, I I, not, not did you need to be. Do you feel like it was something wrong with you doing? It, it's legal? Well, it's. Yeah. Well, I will say this. There was something wrong with it because it was. It, my taste for cigars have gotten better. Mm-hmm. I was smoking Philly blunts back then. So, you know, yeah. I thought we were talking about cigars here. Well, that's what they. That's what they. <laughs> that's what's on the box. That's what's on the package. <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm t- okay, I'm talking about tobacco cigars. No, 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 I'm, no. I mean, like, oh, you were really just bought, smoking cheap cigars. Yeah, yeah, cheap cigars. Because once again, you know, I was young and I was ignorant and I didn't know. You know, when they, people talk, oh man, we are gonna smoke these blunt? Oh, like, oh, I can get a blunt from the store. Didn't you know? I had to grow into what made the blunt so special. I just thought they were smoking blunts, like <laughs> the ones you get at the store. I'm like, I don't feel anything. <laughs> I don't understand. What the, I don't see what the attraction is, other than I look cool. 
okay. and, and then you know, as I got older, and, and, you know, a little mm-hmm. bit older, and you know, you, s- certain influences come into you, your you life. Started to understand, yeah. You know, you start to put two and two together. Okay. Plus, you know, you you hear you finally you hear uh, Red Man, how to roll a blunt, mm-hmm. and then that's when I oh. I just, you know, I just took it from you. Get the blunt from the store, and I just skipped step two, three, four, five, and six. You went straight from step one when, to step seven. That's yeah, why you got to read the instructions. Exactly. exactly. I, I I didn't do that. Didn't read the instructions. Thanks, Red Man. Mm. But 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 none but none but nonetheless, I, I think honestly, like I know in the grand like this this view of mine. I don't feel like is even deep enough to call an attack. So, you know, it's just like, hey, so, man, I didn't like it. So do you think it's just a matter of us being in 2020 now and the culture has gotten to you where yeah. when you see smoking on TV, it. Yeah, I mean, this could it this call, it, like we've been conditioned over the last several years to have that visceral reaction when you hey, see this, smoking in media. This now. could very well be my OK Boomer moment. You know, it, it, it's, this could be my old man, you know, my, my old man yells at cloud moment. Like, okay, it's like I saw it and I didn't care for it. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say Joe Burrow is a bad guy. I'm not, you know, and as okay. as you're about to go into, there are other, there are more egregious All right, so actions uh, of. No, I understand. Of I'm just trying to frame this so we understand where we are. So if it were Tom Brady after the end of the Super Bowl. And you saw him in the locker room smoking yeah, I, a cigar. I, I, Do you care? No, it doesn't I, bother no, you. I, I, I think honestly, I think like the like I don't view like you remember Jordan won the first first three championships. Mm-hmm. You'd see him in the locker room with the cigar and the but Larry O'Brien. Jordan's been known to smoke cigars pregame. Yeah, but, it, but I, I think there was there. I understand the nuances of college sports mm-hmm. and. It, I'm not naive, but and maybe this makes me old-fashioned in the way I'm articulating this. But to me, the cop, you know, the image was a college kid after a game smoking a cigar. Uh, didn't didn't really like it. Didn't really care for it. Not gonna call Joe Burrow a bad kid. Not gonna say you know. Not gonna say this alone is a problem for LSU. Other than the fact that hey, I saw it, didn't didn't really particularly care for it. But honestly, there were there were more egregious visuals after the game, and I think those are what stick out in your mind. I understand we don't see okay. the same, you know we don't see now, Joe, eye, eye on this. Joe Burrow, as of last month. Is mm-hmm. twenty three years old. Twenty three years old. Even I was with, smoking good cigars at twenty three years old. I admit it. You mm-hmm. know, and even with the increase in the legal smoking age that took place last month across the nation, where they raised it, he's still two years beyond that. Yes. Yeah. So, so by all measures that matter, this is a grown man. Exactly. He's he's grown. So for me, when I saw it. I didn't even think twice about it. I'm like, okay, he's in the locker room smoking a cigar. Yeah. He just won a championship. He's about to go pro as a winner. Yeah. Who cares? Honestly, I and I, I probably this conversation that we are recording right now mm-hmm. that we will publish as a radio show and a podcast will probably be the last time I think about this. 
Joe Burrow can go into the NFL, have a long, illustrious career. I don't know if I like him or dislike him, you know, depending on what team he ends up going to. Okay, so basically what you're telling me is the PC people have gotten to you. All right, I got it. No, because I think, honestly, there's a difference. Because if I'm sitting over here, if I think I've saved you know enough time. I'm. It's not an attack. Mm-hmm. Saying I didn't like it. You know, if I'm out here, you know, railing on LSU for this image, or you know, trying to use this to to paint a picture of Joe Burrow's character, that's another thing. And I, I guess I'm just trying to figure exactly what it is you didn't like or found distasteful about. No, and I, I think I said I just didn't like. I didn't care for the optics, but honestly, it's not that big. It's not that big of a deal to me. It's not a game breaker. It doesn't change my opinion of him or the game. I just didn't like it. Didn't care for it. Do you think the optics would have bothered you when you were his age? Probably not. I probably look. I say this now. You said Joe Burrow's twenty three years old. Mm-hmm. When I'm you 40, were twenty three, yeah, and you I'm saw, saying, yes, you, I'm saying right. I'm forty three. Didn't like it. Twenty three year old me probably would have thought it was cool. And I, you know, mm-hmm. at twenty three years old, I had no kids. You know, at 23 years old, hadn't lived half my life. 23, you know, I'm still in my college apartment, you know, Mm -hmm. still driving, you know, Ford Tempo, no, you know, no bills, no nothing. You know, now, like I said, if this makes me, this is my okay boomer moment, I I get it. Okay. If that may, you know, if if, if it sounds like I've listened to the PC people too, you know, too much, uh, okay. Like I said, you know. It's not an attack on Joe Burrow. It doesn't take anything away from what Joe Burrow did, the season that he had, the career that he'll have. Doesn't shape my opinion of him. I said, nah, didn't like it. Didn't care for it. You know, like to me, I I don't, I, you know, there there are other things. Other things about, you know, the game I didn't like. I mean, let's talk about your boy OBJ. Oh, we're, you, co- we're coming to oh, that. Oh, no, no, let's, let's, let's get into that. We're, we're coming to that. No, we're there now. We're there now. I, I, I just want to make sure that I know exactly what it is that I'm bashing you for when I decide to call you an old, uptight fuddy-duddy. Well, look, man, you, you bashed me because I didn't like the college kids smoking a cigar after the game. Didn't didn't like yes, it. Yes, I'm bashing a man who smokes cigars yes. and has been smoking them yeah, since college, since college. for saying smoke, he doesn't like, wasn't smoking for unsolicited TV. saying yeah. he didn't like didn't, seeing a college kid who didn't just like won it. a championship yeah, and yeah. is perfectly legal well, yeah. smoking a cigar. Yeah, go th- I wanted to make sure should, we were clear on Should have had that. a Mountain Dew. Should have given him a Mountain Dew, took him to Friendlies afterwards. And that would have been cool. I would have been all right. If you went out and said, hey, man, I'm going to Disney World, that would be cool. So it's, some, but instead of a Mountain smoke. Dew, apparently instead he got a green pile of cash. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. And, and that's what we're getting to next because everyone's favorite diva, Odell Beckham Jr., no was dis- seen. No disrespect to people who think uh, Antonio Brown is their favorite diva, but, you know. He's no longer employed, so. So, with that being said, Odell Beckham Jr. is seen on the on film, on the field, immediately after the game, handing stacks of cash, confirmed to be real money, to players who just won the championship. Students, still in school, haven't officially declared for the draft. Odell's standing there handing them real cash. And the quote I heard him saying was, 
See you soon. As he hands them the money. See you soon. See you soon. See you soon. And as I hear him say that, that actually, for me, took away the initial shock of seeing him give them money. Because that phrase, see you soon, in my mind, it lets you know, okay, he's giving money to people he knows are going to be in the NFL in a couple months. He knows these kids aren't coming back for, to college next year. So, on one hand, it's, eh, what's the big deal? These kids are never going back to school anyway. And jokingly, that was my response when people brought it up. Who cares? The season's over and none of these kids are going back to school ever again anyway. Which And on one hand, that is true for these specific players. But done on, on camera, on the field, while they're still in school. Still in uniform. Still in uniform. You haven't even hit the locker rooms to shower yet. The camera, you know the cameras are ro- national television cameras are rolling. And OBJ being OBJ, you know, having no issue being the center of controversy or attention finds him finds it a opportune time to start doing this so whatever you think about players getting paid whatever your positions are on that and we've had those conversations before how we feel about that i don't think either of us are saying players shouldn't be eligible to earn but when you do this so egregiously on the field in sight of the God and the entire world, what you're looking at is essentially a mandatory investigation. LSU has no choice but to investigate independently, and the NCAA has no choice but to investigate as an organization because you did this on camera. Like, (laughs) Woosa. <laughs> Woosa. Oh, oh, you, you're getting kind of angry here. You, um, Stu- come stupidi- stupidity makes me angry. Agree. I don't care that he gave him money. You assume these kids are getting money. You don't end up with a pro offense in college without somebody getting some money more often than not. They had three pro receivers, a pro quarterback, a pro tight end. Like... There's there are a lot of pro, in watching that game Monday night. There were probably between the two teams forty plus guys that'll be in playing on Sundays next year, a ridiculous number. Somewhere somewhere along the line, somebody gave one of these guys some money, whether it's a, a f- alumni that still hangs out around the program or a booster or a coach or something. Somewhere somewhere in here, one of these kids got some money. I don't really care that much. What I do care about is that Odell Beckham Jr., who claims to care about his university and his players, just put all of them at risk. All of them at risk by not being smart enough to walk back to the locker room where you know he's welcome and find a nice little quiet corner off camera and say, good job, buddy, here you go. This will hold you over until the draft. Good job, buddy, here you go. Here's a couple dollars for you until you declare. And nobody cares. Kids are coming out of school, you know that. 
you ex- if you start seeing them driving cars or wearing nice clothes over the next couple months, you just assume it's a loan from their agent they signed with or something like that. They're going pro. No investigation, no pressure on the program. This is the part of it that made it was it was selfish of OBJ to do it the way he did. Even if he is in a position where he can stick up his middle finger at the NCAA, there are well, on a ninety-man college roster probably 60 70 guys on that team aren't in that same position and they have to care about their future still if they lose their scholarship they lost a degree if they get kicked out of school or something like that their draft stock might fall in two years and now because i had to go to some division two school i'm a fifth round pick instead of a first round pick and i just lost 20 million dollars these are ramifications that are real for these kids that are still in this program and OBJ, who's gotten his rookie deal, he's gotten his extension, he gets his endorsements, he has nothing to worry about, is only thinking about, I'm Odell and I can do this on camera. This will look good. This is a great photo op for me. I'm the guy who looks out for his alumni. Do it in private, dummy, because you just jeopardized them. That that's what I that's why I'm upset. It's not because he did it, not because he looked out. These are things I'm okay with. But you just put your, your – you just put people that you're on TV claiming to care about at risk. I will say this. I feel like when, when the investigation comes and you know how, you know how the media operates, you know they're going to be the people. They're gonna. There's. The, they're gonna be the anti LSU people, the pro LSU people, and then the people who do want to, and the few people who want to call it right down the middle. But when you're painting that picture of LSU, and you're trying to say, hey, they run a professional, they're running a professional organization under the guise of amateur sports. And we all know we're not naive. We know there's an element of professionalism in all amateur, you know, in the major college sports. It's that way in basketball. It's that way in football. Become that way in baseball. But you know, when but when they're painting that picture, what are you going to see? I think you're going. I think you're going to see. You know, you'll see all the players in the pros. You'll see Odell Beckham. Doling out that cash, I think you'll even see Joe Burrow in the back smoking a cigar. Like, hey, look at these grown men doing grown men things, even at the national championship. That's what to me it was unnecessary. To me, it was like it made you angry. It annoyed me. It's like, come on, dude, what are you doing? It's like, don't it? I. Stupidity angers you every time. Stupidity angers you. Not, it, and I'm not ignorance. Mm-hmm. It's okay to mm-hmm. not know something, mm-hmm. but stupidity, where you just mm-hmm. refuse to accept readily available information, information that's being presented to you mm-hmm. for whatever reason, pride, stubbornness, whatever, that is stupidity to me. You and I both know money does not buy you intelligence. No. Money does not. Being. Being rich does not necessarily make you smart. However, it 
provide you with the means to be smarter. So when I see rich people be stupid in ways that they don't have to be stupid, that annoys me. Like there's nobody in OBJ's camp to say, hey, bruh, come on. You know he wasn't down there on the field. Dolo? Mm-mm. People like that never go. You know, it's like, uh, for real, I, if I'm a celebrity, I'm keeping a buck. If I'm a celebrity, I get to be on the floor for the national championship game. My man is coming with me. I'm not there by myself. Your man wouldn't say, hey, but, you know, you're going to pull out the cash. First of all, keep, once again, keep it a buck. He's not walking around that game with all that cash on this person anyway. Somebody has it. Somebody had to hand it to him. Hey, what you going what you about to do? Hey, I'm about to break these kids off, man. Yo, I'm hype. Let's wait till we get back. Oh, let's wait till we get back. Nah, don't do it right now. Yo, yo, this ESPN's right there. CBS is right there. There's cameras around. Oh, I don't care. I don't care. Bruh, come hey. Let's wait till we get in the, let's wait till we get in the back. That's how it works. When you don't, it's like, look, man, I, it bothers me because it's, it, it tells me that OBJ is one of them people that just surrounds himself with yes men. There's nobody in this camp brave enough to say, Hey bro, you might want to fall back on this. This isn't the avenue you want to go to. It's ignorant. It's just ignorant. It, it's annoying. For everything that you just said, because now it, it puts them in a position where you're forcing the NCAA's hand. You're forcing LSU's hand. And look what they're doing. And, and it's like when, yes, OBJ's money is long. But is, a, is it as long as other donors that they have? Other people like, yes, you see OBJ breaking off wads of cash to a couple of football players. How many buildings has he donated to? You know, so what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, is like, I'm sure LSU appreciates what he's doing for these kids. Or or I shouldn't even say appreciate. They might not have a big problem in the grand scheme of things. But when you look at people who are truly donating money to that, you know, to that school, to that campus. Well, let's be clear. Truth be told, if I'm a 17... 18-year-old high school player considering my college options, knowing that my famous, successful NFL star alumni still sticks around the program and looks out for the players, is actually a plus. Mm-hmm. From I don't think what he did hurts the program with players. I just think it's stupid because now you're going to put them in a position where they have, well, even if nothing was technically done wrong, and they walk away scot-free, they have to investigate now. They have to investigate, but I think also what I'm saying is it's like you're forcing LSU to put you in, in a position to kind of have to articulate how important OBJ is to their program in the grand scheme of things. Where it's like, it, it, just like you said, it's cool that he, it's cool that he is there and that recruits can see an alumni who's played in the league at a high level is right there and wants to be involved in the program. 
But it's like, you know what? If they have to say, hey, bro, you, you might have to keep your distance for a little bit. They will. And you see, and just like you have described OBJ so many times in the past, he's a diva. He's all about himself. He's me, 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 me. LSU telling him he has to stay away. How do you think he's going to take that? Is he going to understand that, hey, you forced their hand when you did this? Or is he going to take this as, hey, you're taking the side of all these people who's hating on me? All these guys, the media's hating on me because they don't understand me. The media's just attacking another black man who's trying to provide for other black men. And you're taking their stance. How do you think he'll, if LSU has to tell OBJ he has to keep his distance for a little bit, how do you think he's really going to take that? Do you really think he's going to say, hey, you know what? I was wrong. My, my bad. You know, I'm, I, I got it. You know, I, I, I got a little carried away. Or is he, you think he's going to take that as LSU's taking the other man's side, taking the other side, attacking him? I think you already know the answer to that question. I, I, oh, I know I know the answer. I, you, you know the answer to that question. Because from anything and everything we've seen to this point, all criticism is taken as a personal affront rather than constructive input to help better us. It's taken as, oh, you hating. Oh, you, you why you, you just, you know what I mean, being that some kind of way. At some point, it's okay to step back and look and say, maybe I was wrong. <laughs> That that's an acceptable position to take, and and you know as much as I like to say I was right, I'm uh, I will also come in and beat you to the punch when I was wrong. I'll be the first one to step up. You know what? That's because you want to steal the joy out of you. I'm gonna own it. Mm, I, I don't. Well, yes, it takes the fun out of it for you. That is an added plus. But I'm gonna own it. You can't. You can't live on your victories and your successes and when you're right if you're unwilling to own when you make a mistake or you're wrong. It just doesn't work that way. But, you know, there are some personality types that everything is everyone else's fault. It's never me. Somebody did this to me. Somebody's hating. Somebody, you know? And... So, to answer your question, I think you already know how that's going to be taken. Mm. Agreed. 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 Either way, your man OBJ needs to sit down, man. Take several seats. Mm. On that note, man, it's time for us to get on out of here, though. Gotta go, gotta go. Good football this weekend. Next time, Next time, you and I talk together. Talk to each other about sports. Now, then we'll be ready for that. You'll see, you'll hear the Super Bowl buzz in my voice next okay. time we talk. Okay. That I can promise you. In the words of Bart Scott, can't wait. Let's uh, get be, be careful. He might have that copyrighted. <laughs> no, whatever. I'll be, a, you know, look, I'll be geek that he's listening. Uh, that's true. I'll take it. <laughs> Either way, look. Tell us what you think of this show. Hit us up on Twitter. But there is breaking news, though. Mike Jones is on Facebook. 
We're not gonna put his. Uh, we're not gonna. I'm not gonna put his math out there like that. But it shocked me. I thought I was getting spammed for a second there. I was about to delete your uh, your friend request. <laughs> you came back to the dark side. Hey man, I'm just here so I don't get fired. Look, I'm not going to drive you right back off Facebook by bringing you into all the Sixers and Eagles uh, Facebook groups that I'm in, so you can hear all the bad takes because that will drive you right back off Facebook. I'm, I'm gonna let you know. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let you get your feet wet for a little bit. Then I'm gonna bring you in all that. Just know that it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. I'm gonna bring you in, and you, um, and 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 it's just gonna ruin the moment for you. I, I, that's what I want. That's what I want to do for you. I want to ruin this moment for you because I care. Either way, look, man, we'll get out of here. Hit us up, Twitter, O underscore D underscore Discourse. Remember to download this podcast everywhere, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google, iHeartRadio. We're on iHeartRadio now. Just look up Best in the World Sports. That's Jonesy. I'm Brown. He's had fun today, man. He did have fun today, man. Special shout-out to Top Teron Davenport from ESPN. Oh, man, definitely got to thank Teron for coming on yes, with sir. us. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Always oh, good when you can have him on. That's a good brother, man. Love him, love him to death, man. Hey, thank you. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week. Peace, y'all. Peace. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to SoundCloud.com slash B-I-T-W Sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. The proceeding was a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are strictly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio.